Happy Monday and welcome back to the One Take Wonder podcast with the hot weird girl. I'm the hot weird girl in question, Alexia, and you can find me on almost every social media platform, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and not Twitter. Um, I hate to announce this, but I think I'm about to initiate a breakup and like the worst breakup of all time. I have been a faithful Twitter user since like what year was I a junior in college? 2017, which something about junior year of college, every single person that I've talked to, it's a very sinister, dark year. Nothing good happens that year except for like the six and a half months that I studied abroad. But then when I touched back down on American soil on campus, like things just went so wrong, which is really when Twitter went so right. Shout out to my friend Megan, who was like, you always laugh at like the Instagram Explorer page and it's just captions of tweets. Like you would love Twitter, Alexia. And she was right. I do love Twitter. I check it like the morning news, which is so bad for my brain rot, but I don't care. However, Elon Musk taking, there's Nazis on my page. There's, I'm seeing the weirdest, most fascist, fascist shit on my page. It's getting insane. And there's no more memes. Okay. There was a day when I had to block out the words, can you believe a shrimp fried this rice? Cause I thought it was so annoying. I would probably hit someone with my car just to see that stupid joke on my for you page again, because things have just gotten dark. Things have gotten sinister. It's no longer fun. Everyone's miserable. I just saw a cute couple like do that. Dun, 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 dun where they clap hands. It's very cute. You know, two people in love on a vacation. And everyone's like, I'd rather kill myself than see someone wear a Shein fit. Do you even have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Like you're so alone. And this is what I really wanted to talk about this weekend. I just, I feel like, not this weekend, this podcast, but I feel like we've lost the art of bitching. Like as a people collectively, I think we have lost the art of gossip right? Because I love talking shit. If you know me in real life, then you're probably like, yeah, they probably have no idea how much she loves talking shit. I love to rehash an old situation from six to seven years ago with new angles and insight. Like my friends and I keep sending around that same joke in our group chat because we're like, oh, we are like fervently discussing something that happened to us you know, spring semester, freshman year, like it happened yesterday. And like these people haven't grown in the what, like eight years since I was a freshman in college. I love it. I love to talk some mess. I accept that your friends, even your closest friends may engage in mild forms of shit talking about your annoying habits. And if they're really close friends, then they'll tell you things like, Alexia, stop tapping on the keyboard so loud that we can always hear your nails, which I never will because it's my personal version of ASMR. Um, or like, you know, the way you chew gum is so irritating. I can't even sit by you right now. That is the joy of life. And we've just, we've lost that fundamentally. It always goes in one of two directions. One, people try to legitimize their grievances by tying it to some like social justice thing, which yes, a lot of things are that deep. And obviously if you're this many episodes deep into my podcast, you know that I love to take the mundane cultural joke and analyze it for themes of racism, patriarchy, like white supremacy, but also at the same time, not everything is that serious. And sometimes you guys are doing this very insufferable, and we'll elaborate in a second, very insufferable thing where you feel like every complaint that you have has to be tied back to racism. Just stand on the fact that you're being a little bit of a cunt. 
oh my god and the second thing is like people are getting way too mean like it's it's just it's out for blood it's vicious so to start with the second thing instead of the first thing just because i feel like it the general negativity going around is it's concerning it's frightening it makes me worried about the state of the world and like i get that times are hard right now but i'm i'm a sort of person where the worst things get i think we should be funnier the fact that a woman can't even tweet i like to sit out and drink a coffee with my husband in the morning without people trying to tear her to shreds foaming at the mouth bitter that's why you're so lonely. That's why no one likes you. Like, obviously you have no one to sit with you in the morning because you're fundamentally unlikable. Bitching is supposed to bring people together. I guess we should establish the goals of bitching. It's to build community. It's to share vital information. And if God didn't want us to talk shit about other people, he would not have given us mouths. Maybe he went too far in giving us podcast mics and that is a jab at myself. But like, we were meant to communicate. And all mammals do it, by the way. This is one of my favorite things. When I was in, wow, I'm talking about college so much. When I was in college, I took this class called The Human Animal. And it was it was a philosophy course about the fact that like humans have tried to distinguish ourselves as some sort of separate mammal. But in reality, we have so much more in common. And we think we're distinguished by like the cultures and the languages that we formed, completely ignorant to the reality that many mammals like orcas, dolphins, elephants, lions, our own cats and dogs are actually capable of forming their own unique languages and dialects, and that they also engage in mild shit talking about the herd. Okay, it's a very mammalian thing to do. All that being said, it's supposed to bring you closer together and perhaps ward everyone else of dangerous things. And instead, it's becoming this sort of like open snark thing where people aren't actually seeking to resolve any problems or perhaps lead it into a segue um, to, you know, get some perspective or clarity on the situation and instead use people's actual lives as a springboard to platform their misery. And I just, I don't think everything should be normalized. I don't think everything should be shared. If you're such an extreme hater that no one's inviting you to parties in real life, I can't believe that the socially acceptable option is again, to get on Twitter, which leads me back to the whole breakup thing. You are ruining my Twitter experience. And Twitter is very personal to me. Perhaps I'm a little too chronically online, but like there was a proper day and age when you could open your Twitter at six in the morning and the people who worked the night shift or simply just don't have to be employed in the AM were firing off bangers. And then you'd send those bangers to your friends. And then it would make it to your friends on Instagram who refused to get a Twitter for some sort of intellectual hippity high horse thing. And then you'd all laugh and commiserate. And that's just gone. But the thing that pisses me off most of all and what has really ruined um, Twitter and what is threatening to ruin TikTok for me or maybe just much of the internet in general is there is this overwhelming desire to intellectualize everything that you hate. And as I said earlier, I am a person who thinks very deeply and intellectualizes much. So I really say this as like a pot trying to call out in quite a bitchy way all the other kettles you're being so annoying it is so fundamentally annoying to try to connect every little thing that doesn't have to do with racism homophobia sexism any other ism 
just because you can't stand on business and say, I hate something. And I think what people are grappling for is trying to imitate the legitimacy that comes with invoking the oppression of marginalized people. Like the world theoretically is supposed to stop and take allegations of racism seriously. Although quite frankly, I find that the people who believe that that allegation is going to change something the most are people who are a not a minority and B aren't outside because in the real world, if you tell someone like, Hey, that was racist, there's like a 60% chance they're going to be like, good. This is America. So, you know, but this is the problem with this like online seeping into real life culture. When the internet is your only form of socialization, you will adopt the mores and the codes and the social cues of your main platform. Except the internet is also just by definition populated by weird freaks. And you get popular on the internet the more time you spend on it. So the weird freaks who, of course, aren't going to the club this weekend, which let me just say this. If you're like, your voice sounds weird. Um, I traveled this weekend and I went out and I'm losing my voice and I tried to drink a lot of green tea. So I'm sorry if it sounds particularly grating today. But you have a bunch of people who don't have real life experiences like losing their voice from screaming Beyonce lyrics outside. And then... They attempt to connect every single one of their grievances and invoke the legitimacy and also the pity of it because you can't brush an allegation of racism, homophobia, sexism away like you can just brush someone making a general complaint. It's kind of like the way that people will fake or play up certain axes of oppression that they exist on for major internet clout, even though in real life it may not be something that they get a lot of shit for. Like, um, if someone made a comment to you once about your ADHD, and I'm saying this because I have ADHD, like, yeah, that sucks. I get it. It's probably not the same crippling ableism that someone who's nonverbal um, and autistic and unable to take care of themselves experiences at a care center. But you're trying to invoke that little comment that happened to you with the same sort of legitimacy as someone who's actually being deeply wronged and harmed in a way that, again, just really ruins the point of bitching. Like everyone is clamoring for this legitimacy, but what it's not actually rooted in is a desire to make things better. It's just so that you can be seen as like the king of complaining. People aren't lobbying these complaints or trying to tie their complaints to broad social justice movements in an effort to advance those social justice movements. They just kind of want sympathy points. And it's a way that cheapens the actual meaning of what existing on these axes of oppression can be like. Because it, as much as people on the internet try to romanticize it, or perhaps clamor for the ability to like, someone called me a slur today. Being called a slur in real life, being denied job opportunities, being mistreated at school or your workplace or being unsafe in your home or your neighborhood because of the color of your skin and your ethnicity is a fundamentally horrible experience. And why people seem to chase that experience is something that I don't know that I can unpack in the next 15 minutes that I gave myself to record. An update from last week, I did successfully break my lease and I am moving, hence the rather chaotic nature of this week's episode because, you know, the movers come on Saturday. So a week from now, I will be in my new podcast studio. Very fancy. Anyway, people are clamoring for the opportunity to seek legitimacy and relevance. 
And it all ties back to the fact that we have just forgotten how to gossip. All that being said, I'm not sure there's much to say on the topic because it's not something that's particularly serious or I think lends itself to more enlightenment. In keeping with the theme of this podcast, sometimes you just hate things and I hate that we can no longer gossip freely as a people without being annoying. I don't think it's deeper than that, but to discuss something that is a little deep and also a huge pivot from what this um, podcast was originally was, I just want to give a trigger warning for domestic violence and brief mentions of um, sexual assault, which you may be listening and thinking, bitch, what the fuck? I don't know. I just, this is the One Take Wonder podcast. This is what I was thinking about today on my drive home from work. It's what I want to talk about now. I'm also literally watching my computer die in front of me. Um, but something that really upset me that I saw this weekend was this guy, and I blocked him immediately because honestly, I would put him on blast and put his name out there, but I, I just can't find his account again. Um, he was doing like a meme sort of POV thing where his girlfriend took his phone and she's hiding in the bathroom. And so he shakes the door and screams and at one point tries to like kick the door down to get his phone back. But I found it very frightening. I would be very frightened if anyone in my life called me and said, I'm behind the door of a grown man trying to break it down and screaming at me. And this wasn't like a Drewski ass skit where he was being like comedic and funny. And there was a little bit of a satirical element. Like this was just clearly a man who's either seen this too many times, or in my opinion, done it to someone really having liberty with like reenacting a toxic scene in front of the camera. And I do suspect that a lot of this whole like your finance boyfriend is mean to you. Like it's just men getting their willies off at getting to take this out on an audience without having to do the work of like love bombing and manipulating and isolating their victim while also getting social clout and platforming themselves off of it, which is a separate conversation. Um, but what upset me the most is that all the comments were like, LOL, this is so funny. This is so relatable. And I think you have to understand that domestic violence is emboldened and enabled because of social attitudes and because our society promotes it. And I think when you first hear that, when I first heard it, um, when I had the opportunity to listen to the a representative from the local women's shelter at my college speak about it, she gave the example that like most people, if you ask them point blank, would say that they weren't weren't cool with a man, you know, brutalizing a woman in front of them. And yet many people turn a blind eye whenever they watch men brutalize women in front of them. And how do you, you know, how do you make those two incongruent, seemingly opposing ideologies? Like how do you reconcile that? And you reconcile that by realizing that everything about dating standards and our current romantic culture and what our current romantic or what our romantic culture has always been lends itself to empowering the abuser. And I think memes is just the 2023 iteration of this emboldening of an abuser. It, it it makes me upset to the point of tears that I think someone who's in a violent relationship, because make no mistake, when a man threatens you, when he yells at you, when he begins to get physical and physically, you know, intimidating with you, that is like the number one precursor that he's about to get violent. And we often speak about the fact that you can be, you know, emotionally, um, 
abused before violence happens. But like there is always a specific moment where, you know, a plate is thrown, a, a hole is put in the wall, he's towering over you, where he's letting you know that like, I intend to escalate this to the point of putting my hands on your body. And that in itself, that promise of a future, you know, abuse is violent in itself. So I do consider that video to be violent and disturbing. How many girls watch that and then may find themselves in that situation and may think there's nothing wrong for it because it's very par for the course. Like something that I think about all the time is this idea that if we are truly getting our relationship norms from our culture and specifically from the internet, because, you know, as I just spoke about for the past like 12 minutes, the internet is integral to our everyday culture. And if one thing that we're internalizing is these like toxic memes which is really just toxic is just code for abusive. Let's just call it what it is, is what we're seeing and internalizing, then how can someone who's in that dangerous situation really know how much danger that they're in? Right now on my TikTok for you page, because it is October and it is Domestic Violence Month, there are hundreds of women coming forward and very bravely telling their stories, and many of them are doing so under the hashtag know the signs. How are you to know the signs of the pain and trauma that's coming your way if no one around you is telling you what's happening to you isn't okay and the memes that you consume the things that you turn to at 6 a.m when you open your eyes because you're scrolling on twitter um looking for a laugh and that becomes normalized in your brain and then you find yourself in a situation where you don't even know if you can take what's happening to you seriously because everyone registers it as a joke. And going back to those stories that so many women are coming forward and talking about on my For You page, one thing that stands out to me is almost every single one of those stories has some mention of the ways in which they were failed. They were failed by their abuser's family who did nothing to help them. They were failed by their own family who did nothing to help them. They were failed by the legal system, police, school guidance counselors. But I think we are also failed in not calling out these memes very prominently and saying like, hey, you know, if you are ever behind a locked door and a man is screaming at you, call the police because that is a man who is willing to hurt you. And something I think about as part of this conversation is last year, there was a young woman and she was a young black woman and that'll matter in a second, who was dancing to the audio that's like, I'm still alive, I'm still alive, because she said that she survived, you know, a five-day vacation abroad with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend killed her shortly after that video. And everyone in the comments thought it was a joke. Not a single person thought to ask her, is she okay? Because we're so used to ingesting that type of really fucked up evil content as, as entertainment, I wonder how many people in her life didn't even know that she was being serious or, you know, if she could assess the seriousness of her own situation. And I don't know that that's a fully baked thought right now. Like, I think that'll definitely be something like how there was, you know, a months long gap between my first 
podcast episode about children and last week's, I think this will be something that I have to revisit and think about more deeply, probably while on a hike. But there is something about the way these memes are aimed at Black women in particular, where I just know in my gut that we're being groomed for abuse. And there's no other way to put it. Like, framing the ultimate masculine man as one who's possessive and jealous, as one who corrects you as a daddy, as a father figure who retains some element of control over you as like the ultimate black masculine ideal is only setting you up to be in a relationship with someone who will brutalize you. And I I know that it has a profound effect because on the rare occasion that I'll stumble across like a kid's TikTok page or like on the old Twitter when you could see tweets from anyone who is 36 or 16 and the fact that like teenagers are emulating these standards is like, well, you need to be having a certain amount of fights with your bae and you need to be um, going out and trying to push their buttons and push their boundaries so that he can correct you oftentimes sexually, which is, I know I've said this before, but the fact that the language used to describe sex, particularly in the black community is one of violence and never one of the consent that you absolutely have to obtain to have violent or rough sex. That is the CIA at work. Um, but it just, it, it makes me really sad for kids. And I know that when I was in middle school, um, Rain, a domestic violence organization, pointed out how unhealthy Bella and Edward is or are. Um, because, you know, he stalks her. He's emotionally abusive. He kind of threatens her with the fact that he's physically stronger than her. And because I'm an adult, I can watch that now and like be fine. But yeah, I do think it was worrying that I was a kid and I was adopting that as what was a good idea. So I just know from firsthand experience that there's no way that the kids who are seeing this relationship content or even people in their early 20s, even people who are still young, like my age, 26, are observing this as some sort of legitimate way to conduct their relationships. And I think it would be so impossible if you are in that type of relationship to truly assess how much danger you're in if ultimately everything that you're going through, all the fear that you experience is chalked up to a joke and normal part of relationships. And I think we have to get better at addressing that. And maybe the next time that this comes up in the podcast, I'll have some other solution. But it's something that I've been thinking a lot about over the past few days because I haven't been able to get that video out of my brain. So that's the end of this segment. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As always, I love hearing from you guys. Again, you can find me on every single social media platform except for Twitter. Fuck Elon Musk. Um, I will be fully moved next week, so that's when I'll be picking back up the project to have some of you guys on the podcast, and I really hope that that comes out by, let's say, mid-November, I think is realistic. Um, to make it happen. Just give me a few weeks of leeway room. I'm really excited to announce that in the next couple episodes, one of my best friend Julia is going to be coming on to talk about sign language interpretation. So if you have any questions about that, or you'd like to send in some material you'd like for us to address, again, please contact me. And if you've made it to the end of this podcast, before you go, I am begging you to rate this five stars on Spotify and Apple Music. It helps so much for new people to find um, and grow to love this content. Thank you so much. Mwah. See you next Monday.